When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome into Conduits of Trouble. It's Zolgad and Chip Scoggins, and we apologize for <laughs> our voices. If they don't sound good, it's because, like everybody else right now, in this um, godforsaken state where we never see the sunshine, we're sick as well. Conduits of sickness is what Conduits is, Yeah, which is not a good thing because <laughs> it's an obvious problem. Um, let's start with the uh, very, very... Sad news that uh, has obviously been covered a lot since Sunday, but I've not talked to you since then. The yeah. death of Kobe Bryant and just the overall tragedy of, what, nine people perishing? Yeah. Kobe and his 13-year-old daughter. Uh, it's just, man, it still makes you sick. Yeah, it's it's heartbreaking um, under any circumstances. But, you know, as a dad, when you see three kids on that yeah. and just have really no chance of uh, seeing what their life's going to become. And um, the thing that I am struck by because I'm I'm a, I'm a child of Magic and Bird and a teenager of Jordan. Yeah, we're about the same. I think so. That's that's the view that I kind of look through this. I I guess was unaware or just didn't pay enough attention to how revered Kobe is uh, for the fifteen to thirty five year old person, and it's been amazing to see like i i had no idea that was a thing where if you wad up your 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 trash and you throw it in i i had no idea so I someone tweeted that out because our, ours was jordan yeah but I, di- I didn't know that was a thing and so somebody tweeted that out and, I, and my boys were sitting there and i have a a, a 13 year old and a 17 year old and uh and i said is that a thing they're like uh yeah it's, it's like I don't are you know. living in a cave and so i tweeted it out and you should have seen the responses i got from all oh these people are like Oh yeah, we do it all the time. Like I'm 38, I still do it. I mean, every time you go to the trash, you, you, yeah, you say Kobe. Or like when you're picking up balls after batting practice and you're throwing them in the in the bucket, you got to say Kobe. And it's like yeah. this phenomena that I had no idea. And then you've seen videos now where at the Staples centers, have you seen that where they have the little trash bucket and people are coming by and throwing trash in it? And you know, Kobe. This that's it's like great. this thing. And so, yeah. yeah, someone says like that's a legacy, right? That's right. You know, when you have this cult thing or whatever you describe a phenomenon that people do that um so i guess i was just the uh the devotion and reverence that that guys in their 20 and 30 have for him mm-hmm. it's i was at a high school game on a story i'm doing and a kid changed his uh never you know obviously never met kobe changed his uniform wore 24 he said he was sobbing the other day and he said if you don't change your number 24 do something you don't love basketball because he said i felt like i lost a brother i'm like man right so it's 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 been pretty amazing just to see the reaction from that perspective yeah and i think you know i'm not surprised that so 
many players in the league today and young people were impacted by him because the torch clearly goes Michael, or it went Michael, Kobe, LeBron. LeBron yeah. Uh, but, yeah, just to see the outpouring and the amount of people impacted. I think, now, I'm not a dad. I think for people of our age, his 13-year-old and the kids perishing yeah. makes it unimaginable like, yeah. to us. Uh, it's tragic he died. Yeah. But I think I think this is seen in a couple different lights. I think people our age think, oh, my God, these families and these poor kids who, to your point, Chipper, were n- never going to get it to uh, yeah. see grow up. And then there's the Kobe factor. But this is probably like, you know, if if uh, Bird or, mm-hmm. or Jordan had died in our youth or something. Oh, I remember... Like, because I was a magic guy, right? That's, mm-hmm. I wanted to be magic. And I remember crying in my dorm watching his press conference when he announced he had to retire because of HIV. Yeah. I mean, that's, and this is obviously something totally different. Um, but you're right. Like, I, the, so I was coaching my son's eighth grade travel team and we had a game. And right for the game, my assistant, Jen, she showed me her phone and she said, This is all over Twitter. And it was, I think it might have been the TMZ or something that he had died. And I'm like, Whoa. And she's like, ah, do we tell the kids? I'm like, ah, no, let's just play. <clears throat> and then uh, at halftime, an official, you know, we were huddling, coming back, and the official comes by, and he had tears in his eyes. He's like, man, they just told me Kobe died in a plane crash. And, you know, this being 2020, our kids had found out on the bench somehow during the game, and they are just, you should see the looks on their faces. <clears throat> and then after the game, you're reading more, and then you see his daughter was on it. And that, I think that's when it hit me differently. You're just like, oh, man. Yeah. That just tears your And mind. then what, three kids then total three kids, on it? Yeah. Oh, and it just, absolutely. Not that it, it didn't tear you up that Kobe, that when, but when, I'm just when saying, you see I think it's processed kids, differently. It did. I, think, I did. 100% I processed it differently. I, I think the kids, and make no mistake, they are kids who are playing in the NBA now who idolize this guy yeah. and don't know how to process it. Because, you know, when you're in your 20s, and those you are kids, yeah. they're, they're, they're not gr- grown adults. It's impossible to process that. Mm-hmm. And this guy is, and and yes, he was human. He did bad things at times. He did good things at times. But what I keep coming back to is he was a basketball superhero. Mm-hmm. And that's and to these kids and to the guys playing in the NBA right now, that's what they remember. And how many how many guys idolize or try to emulate Mamba, the Mamba mentality? Yeah. I mean, that's what – and it's amazing because I think Kobe could have been – was a real jerk to people like on his team or other players um, because he just had that kind of I want to rip your heart out mentality, right? I don't think he was warm and fuzzy like he is now. I think he took like the like this new generation, the young generation, and mentored them. I but agree. I think his contemporaries, I think he tried to kill them. He did. You know, he wanted to rip their heart out every yes. time he stepped on the court. And he, so, grew up, he grew up. Yeah. There's no question. Yeah, and I think maybe becoming a dad, maybe just getting older or whatever, yeah. maybe be, being away from the game or recognizing, hey – these guys do look up into me, and so I can't have these walls up anymore. I'm not a competitor. Because you you hear all these stories now where, like, some of the young players, like, he's pulling them aside saying, hey, I like your work ethic. Keep going. Keep, you know, blah, blah, blah. And um, so I think for this this new generation, I think he did become, you know, it's probably like if Jordan pulled a young guy aside and said, hey, I love your work ethic, you know, blah, blah. It, exactly. I mean, if you equate it to football, I mean, think about how many young wide receivers coming into the game now totally idolized Larry Fitzgerald. And if he pulls him aside and says, right. do this, do this, they're going to do it, right? Right. And so I think that was how it is with, with Kobe. Whereas early in his career, he just wanted to score and, and show people up. I, I was watching, uh, what was it? I forgot the, one of the stories was saying that, 
Oh, they're interviewing Phil Jackson, and Michael, after he retired, he came watch Kobe, and Kobe went for like 50 and was shooting it every time down the quarter because uh, Jordan was in the stands, and he was trying to show him, hey, look what I can do too. So it, there was a little bit of, I don't know if selfishness is the right word, but um, like, hey, I'm better than everybody out here. Right. Well, I mean, you know, and, and right or wrong, I think the perception of Jordan was that never changed. Yeah. That Michael was <laughs> right. always just go- yeah. going to try and dagger you. Yeah. Where Kobe, had, I think, went from that mentality, and that probably as a prime athlete didn't leave him, mm-hmm. but I think he also, and and here's the thing, because he's because he died, we're hearing stories now. Yeah. So if Jordan died tomorrow, God yeah. forbid, we might hear stories sure. like this too. We just don't know. Um, but I think what Kobe did is what an ultimate great athlete does, and that's you go from being selfish because you sort of have to be, yeah, and yeah. you have to try and 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 be um, the greatest, <laughs> yeah, and that means picking apart your opponents verbally, physically. But I think as you grow, then too, to get an appreciation if you truly love your sport, yeah, and then to look at. I don't know, Chip, Kyrie, and be like, I could help that kid. Yep, That's well, the ideal thing. It's passing it or paying it forward, whatever. Right, because yeah. I'm sure at some point somebody probably did that with him. But he just recognized it. And I think LeBron's probably going to be in the same situation if he's not already doing it now. LeBron yeah. strikes me as a guy who would definitely sure. be doing that. Did you see, did you watch any of the um, TNT? Oh, rip my heart out. That was as, as raw and as... Uh, emotional. Have you ever seen like like when Shaq started crying? Yeah. So it it was Ernie, Charles, Shaq, Kenny Smith, Dwayne Wade. They brought in uh, Dwayne Wade. They brought in Rick Fox, right? Yeah. And Steve Nash came and for Steve Nash. a segment. And and uh, Derek Fisher. Okay. Yeah. And Derek Fisher is great. I've heard him a couple places. Who's been just phenomenal. But the Shaq part where he basically was, I mean, he would. You could see how hurt he was at that. They hadn't talked because it sounded like they hadn't talked since his last game, since Kobe's last game. Yeah, I think that was, he, what three years. Ago? I think he was at Kobe's last game, according. Yeah, because he said he said go for I fifty, took, and he went I for sixty. Yeah. yeah, he said I haven't talked to him since then. It's like that was three years ago. Yep. And you could see, like, because Shaq kept saying, "I'm ne- I'm not going to let that happen again." I'm going to tell you guys every time I see you, I love you. And it just goes to show you, like, you know, you get so involved in your day to day life that sometimes gaps just sure that happen. You know, I also don't think that. I, when people die or something really, really tragic like this happens, it obviously stops us in, in our tracks and makes us think. But I also contend it's not realistic to go sure. through every day yeah. being like that because that's basically like, I'm going to leave the house now, but I might die. You know, yeah. like, how can you think? You like go back that? into your I, your habits. Yeah, but I've, I've always struggled with the notion, too, that people could actually be like, I'm going to see life completely differently now. And every time I leave the, the house, I'm going to think to myself, I might. Die. Well, you know, it, it's a weird. It, I appreciate what they're saying, and I totally get it. And they're not wrong. But I also appreciate the fact that as as humans, we can't make assumptions no. that I might not come home tonight because that would be a real dark, dark period of going yeah. through life. Well, and I will say this, like just from my perspective, a human perspective, like I had a friend, one of my best friends. We had a tight circle of friends in high school, and he died a couple years ago. Um, and I just totally lost contract, contact with him. And he showed up at my dad's funeral. You know, my dad died three years ago. Um, in a week, but he showed up for my dad's funeral and that's the first time, you know, we just kind of like hugged and, and whatever. And then I didn't see him again and he died and all our friends were like that we've, we can't do this. That's too big a gap. So we, we did get back in touch with like for first, you know, right. couple months we were, 
we'd text or talk right. like once a week. And now it's become more. I wouldn't say it's once a week, but, you know, periodically. Right. And so, it's yeah, it'd be hard to do, sustain that. Like, I got to, you know, I got to check in with this person, this person, this right. person, you know. But it does. But it has reconnected us in a way that we didn't have. Well, that's great. And yeah. so I think that's, and that's you good. hope that's what people, like, right. something like this might do is, like, I'm not saying you got to check on them every day or every week or every month, right. but at least you're thinking about them or whatever. So that's that's kind of my that's how I, like one little adversity like that I dealt with. So what what was the um, sports death that that in your lifetime do you think has impacted you the most? Well, I still remember because uh, thank God Murph, yeah, Dale Murphy, I know. alive and well. When on I was Twitter, <clears throat> when I uh, for one year, my dad had gotten transferred to New York when I was a kid, okay. kindergarten. Really? Yeah, we lived in Connecticut. Well, Connecticut. We lived in Connecticut for one year. Went to school there. Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, went to kindergarten in Connecticut. And we moved back because, you know, we're Tennessee and we hated it. But <laughs> while I was there, um, Thur- Thurman Munson died in a, in the in the crash. And I remember it. And I don't know why, but during that year, I became a Thurman Munson guy and my brother became Mickey Rivers. My brother. So, Love the Mick. Yeah. And you would so, walk to home plate like you could barely walk and then yeah. run faster than anyone <laughs> I know. So I... I wanted to write a letter to <clears throat> Thurman Munson's uh, wife, so I wrote it. I don't know if my mom mailed it or not, but I remember that one distinctly. But um, I don't know if that impacted me. I was six years old or whatever. But um, I don't a death that a sports death that affected me. Yeah, have, has any like a basketball player or football player passed? You know, away? it's got to be when you're young. Like the Kobe thing is really, really tragic. Yeah, but it doesn't. It, it shakes you for different reasons than yeah, I, it I, would when you're young. Not to the degree that we're seeing now with like the with with like the um, the players. Um, you know, like Lynn Bias was was stunning, but it wasn't yeah. like I was a huge Lynn Bias fan, right? Um, yeah, that one was stunning. Um, you know, the Hank Gathers one was, a, you know, rocked you, but I don't know that it was a huge Hank Gathers. So it wasn't like yeah, this guy I grew so up. So there, there was no player that no, you No, know, you know, nothing like anyone that was my idol. I had a weird one when I was uh, when I was a kid. Um, it, it, there was a goaltender for the Philadelphia Fly- uh, Flyers, Pelly Lindbergh, who was really good. And he, I don't know if he was drinking, but he was driving his Porsche after a game. It was a Saturday night, you know, 100 miles an hour, and I think he wrapped around a telephone pole and died. And I remember on the NFL Today, because, you know, th- this is pre, like, ESPN and 24-hour yeah. coverage, Brent Musburger announced just off the cuff that this had happened. And I was a big hockey fan. I loved hockey and a big goaltending fan. And it wasn't like I was a huge Pelly Lindbergh fan, but yeah. I remember it shook me up for, like, a week. And, yeah. I couldn't fig- and I couldn't figure out why the hell I was but, – but I was, like, 14 or so, so right yeah. in that prime age. But I just remember being so shaken up by this death that, yeah, it was really sad and tragic. Yeah. But it was a, fl- a Flyers goaltender. Well, I do think it's two things. One, I always think when there's a suddenness that when it's – you know, you, you expect everybody just to – get old right or if yes. you have a disease like a cancer or something you, you, you right know, you sort of prepare for it but when it's something tragic like a plane crash or a car wreck or something it's just that immediacy that really jolts you mm-hmm. and then you know no matter how much of a star or not a star if they're a professional athlete they just tend to people look at them different and you know and so i think you combine those things that especially if it's someone like kobe who had a major impact on yeah. You know how you view life or basketball or whatever. Then it really because this one's really this one will 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 
the sadness will stay for a while. Oh, definitely. You know, with the league, definitely. Well, it's gonna, it's going to, it's going to be a cloud, um, at least through the end of the season mm-hmm. as well. And there's a very good chance now that that, of course, the script will be that just because sports is sports, yeah. That the Lakers are going to go to the finals probably because they're good enough to. Yeah. LeBron's going to have these massive games that are going to, in which you know, don't be surprised if he scores like what sixty points. Comes he, out wearing twenty four. Yeah, it's so, just yeah. going to be it's just yeah. going to be something like that. But I, I also think as kids, what shakes you up too is the fact that that these idols, to your point, can be taken so quickly, and they're they're so young. Mm-hmm. You know, well, and Col- a, yeah. you know, and Kobe forty one. That's yeah. young and. So I think that's what also it shakes you because you're so unprepared for the fact that somebody who's in the prime of their and you know athletic fame and yeah. Kobe was a little past that but he was still 41 yeah and then they're just gone yeah and uh, you know the other thing about Kobe too is my former colleague Steve uh, Ashburner who works for NBA.com did a really nice column talking about the second act of Kobe and how. It, yeah. might have, it might have even been more impactful than what he did as a basketball player when you think yep. about all the different things he was doing. And, and that's what we're talking about now. Yeah. Like, that's what's being talked about now. Well, think about, and I mean, he, there were so many tentacles to this, and he, he obviously had, you know, a complicated personality, but think about what he did for women's basketball mm-hmm. and just the acceptance and lifting them up, not only just because of his daughter, but the WNBA, he was probably their biggest champion, and... Rachel Bannum, remember, she flew out there to meet him. And, Absolutely. And he always was taking his daughter to WNBA games. He was there. He was a champion for that. And so, I mean, he had a huge impact on women's sports. But then, I mean, did, what did he, he won the Oscar for uh, the short the short film. Or, yeah. yeah. And so, in writing, I mean, it seems like he was going to do be almost a titan in some other industry. Um you know, if he would, if this wouldn't happen, uh, no good way to transition here. So we'll simply do that. I want your thoughts. Uh, I was there on Monday, by the way, at Target Center. Oh boy, for the meltdown. Yeah. One of the one of the worst meltdowns in NBA history. Let's be honest. It's got to be one eight, of the worst losses ever. Eight thousand plus games since they started tracking this in ninety six, ninety seven. Which, if I'm not mistaken, was Kobe's first year. Yeah, they started tracking data. Uh, the Wolves blow what. Was it a seventeen point seventeen in with in three minutes or yeah. something? Anyway, Carl uh, Anthony Towns couldn't get out of the locker room quick enough. Tuesday, he talked to the media, but was very short. Uh, I contend something's wrong here with yeah. with Cat, and I'm more concerned about that than the overall thing. But as you watch this unfold, give me your thoughts on where you think this is right now. Well, obviously, I mean the. This season has gone completely off the rails, but sure. they are trying to completely. I mean, they're doing a one eighty in the way they play, and they just don't have the personnel to to do it. Now, they obviously you have to give a new regime if you're if you're making this um, fundamental of changes. I mean, you go from being one of the worst, lowest three point shooting to one of the highest, and you're playing fast and you're doing all this. I mean, that's a complete radical shift from how they've done it, and so. You, they need time to be able to get their personnel personnel in to fit that system, mm-hmm. but it's hard to watch. <laughs> but <laughs> it's hard. But to, what's your theory on the cat thing? Something I, seems I don't know. something's off. Well, there. I mean, I mean, <sighs> something's off, and he's in year one of this contract, and and it just all seems. 
I, I think the statistic, and they don't play again until uh, Saturday against the Clippers in Los Angeles, Chipper. I think this, I think the stat is now that the Timberwolves, since uh, in the past 14 games, and, and of course there was, what, 15 missed by Cat. Yeah. In the past 14 games in which Carl Anthony Towns has played, they are 0-14. Yeah. And the defense suffers when he plays. He obviously is not very good at defense. But his whole demeanor and attitude, and for him to leave the locker room as quickly as he did on Monday and yeah. leave, and I like this guy a lot, but leave poor Shabazz Napier as the spokesman for your team, that's not getting, that's that's a sign to me. because there's Frustration, yeah. yeah well, but, I, I, but but you're, you're right about their style of play, and you're right about them being bad. They shouldn't be this bad, but that's a longer-term concern to me of how, of the fact that, I don't see him maturing like I thought he would. No, and you know, I when when they made this change, I wrote a column saying basically they kept Ryan Saunders. Obviously, I mean, I don't want to totally discredit, you know, but they're trying to keep Cat happy. Cat yes. wanted him and they and, yes. and and I said it was the right move if it keeps him happy and keeps him from leaving because if he pulls an Anthony Davis and says, "I've had enough." You're back to square one. Correct. And there's some fans right now be like, "Good." <laughs> I think some people are ready to be back to square. But I don't one. think they understand but what no, that means. No. I've, I've given up on Wiggy. Okay? Yeah, I mean, you I've given it, up yeah, on. Yeah, but 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 if we sit here, and we're like, well, now we're we might give up on Cat. You know what we're saying? Yeah, but you remember what we said, Judd? We we talked about this way back when that this is when Ryan got hired. You got to have a point guard. You got to get rid of Wiggins. You need more shooters. You can't do that in one year. Correct. And we said that like this is this roster is just so dysfunctional right now that. You have just a bunch of pieces, like 10 guys, 10 caps. I mean, it makes no sense, and it doesn't fit what they're trying to do. And so this is going to have to take like three or four years to get the roster. And yep. here's the problem, and this is the biggest concern. All, is Cat going to be patient through those three four years, or is he going to be – well, Clearly from what we're seeing of late, the, it's trending the wrong got way. got your answer. Yeah, and, but he, he hasn't – who knows what he's saying privately, but publicly he said system works. I believe in you know the people here. But, but it's more what he's doing. But it's actions and body language. Yeah. And, yeah. And that's what exactly. makes you nervous that. And the thing is, it's like it used to be. You had to get rid of a guy when he has one year left because you can't risk take the risk of him walking. Now right. these in the NBA, these guys have so much control. They I don't care. Years don't matter. Term. They'll just force their way out whenever. What concerns know? me about Carl right now is this one. And this is where I thought a couple years ago when this bugged us. And I think we talked about it at the time that the maturity would get him past it by now is forget taking on the team's baggage, which he sort of, if this is going to work has to do, he still can't process his own. Yeah. No, you know, no shot that he misses is his fault because he looks at the official, like where's that, the foul. That drives me crazy. No, I know, but it's, but if he can't process that, like if he can't process his own shortcomings to be like, okay, I got to improve there or I screwed up there, mm-hmm. I take full responsibility, then you're never going to get to point B of, I got to take on the Being team. Being a leader. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's, there is just a void of leadership on this team. I mean, there's just, who's your leader, Wiggins? I mean, you just don't have a leader. I've got your candidate right now. It's Shabazz Napier who has no business being asked to do that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Shabazz. I mean, poor Shabazz Napier is left to be like, yeah, it's as low as we can go. Yeah. That's... And that was a great quote, and he was trying to be as honest. But the poor guy was yeah. two of six from the line against yeah. the Kings, went out to the court, and and shot 100 practice free throws, and then was expected to come back in and talk to us. And he's not your no foundation. He's not your – No, you know, he's not going to be here. No. And so that's – like, you know – I know some people are just like, this system stinks and you should be running. But, I mean, you had to try 
if you're going to be a modern and you have a vision, you have to go in knowing, okay, we, the pieces don't fit it and, and all that. But you're right. I mean, hey, Cat has to look himself in the mirror, too. Like, I'm not good defensively. I've got to be, you know, stop complaining after every call or non-call. Yep. It just drives me crazy. And, and then, Chipper, what drove me crazy about that, where I found it to be incredibly hypocritical and concerning, was after the loss to the Rockets, Cat did talk after that game on Friday night, last yeah. Friday night. And Carl was asked something about all the complaining or something. I forget how the question was asked. It was it was a fine question. Like yeah. it was not confrontational. And Carl explained, and I didn't to his credit know this, that he he is designated as the team captain. And so shortly before games, the captains go and talk to the officials to get sort of like a briefing. But that also gives them the leeway to be the ones like if I'm the captain and you're not and you get fouled, I can sort of talk on your behalf to to the official. But you, you know, so it's not yeah. like five guys being like, what the hell, what the hell, what the hell? Sure. So Carl's point was, that's my role, and I'm defending myself, but also my teammates, okay? Okay. Yeah. Okay, so I'm like, all right, that's fine. But if that's your role, then you can't disappear from the locker room yeah. after one of the most epic meltdowns yeah. in NBA history without talking to us and saying, hey, I'm really, I'm really upset right now. This is a, you know, that's, but, but yeah. you can't have it both ways where... In this case, I'm complaining all the time because I'm the captain, yeah. and on Monday night, but I'm going to bail. Yeah, the words might be hollow, but when you have the worst loss in franchise history, or one of them, one of the top five, you need to stand in there and, and be the face of that and say, Correct. this is not acceptable, whatever you want to say, but you can't just like duck out. Right. Well, and especially when you have said before how much you love Ryan and Ryan mm-hmm. means to you and poor Ryan has to go to the podium, obviously, and answer our questions. Yeah. And then he needs his, he needs the guy in the locker room who loves him and who's yeah. his star player to say, we let Ryan down. We all made mistakes, blah, blah, blah. What do we think on Ryan? Uh, overwhelmed. Yeah. Overwhelmed completely, but I, I, I don't know, but here, okay. So here, but I also don't think, don't think the personnel is very good. It's not. And I've got, I, so I, I'd like to run this theory past you too as well about Ryan and Gerson and their relationship with Kat. This crystallized to me after the loss on Monday. I firmly believe that Carl Anthony Towns thinks highly and really likes Ryan Saunders and Gerson Rosas as people mm-hmm. like likes working for them, respects them as hundred yeah. percent. But the problem that we have is I think you, me sports fans, media, we think of these sometimes as nine to five jobs where if you like your boss, it's going to be great. You know, mm-hmm. Chris Carr, your yeah. boss, yeah. you like him. So yeah. it's fine. If you didn't like him, you might leave. But it's very black and white. There. Yeah. Athletics is different. Yeah. One is the di- the dynamic of I like these guys, but we're never going to win. Mm-hmm. The other is I like my friends around the league who play in Phoenix and Golden State yeah. e- even more. My point being is. I think we're foolish to make the assumption that just because he likes he Ryan, stay just cause, exactly, yeah, because it's not a nine to five job, and there's and that doesn't mean that you can't walk out the door being like, I loved you guys, but I want to go somewhere else. And, because that, and that happening in our jobs, if we love our bosses, we're going to stay. And you have the the one carrot dangling out there: players like to win. Absolutely. And if you're if you have guys around the league saying, "Man, that you're never going to win there. You can't win there. You're never going to win there." Yes. And, and then he sees, yes. you know what? We aren't winning here. Yep. What, what do you think that's going to do to him? I mean, I mean, 
that's that's the problem you have where these guys are all friends and they in the off season they form their I'd love to play with you I'd love to play with you and, and they orchestrate it and that's where I think Gerson and, and Ryan have really tried hard to create that that chemistry that family connection all that stuff they talk about culture that um you know going to where'd they go in the off season where whatever they're trying to make it was it Cabo or something yeah I mean I think they're trying yeah. to create that word that that Hey, if you have that tight connection, maybe you're more likely to feel like this is home. You'll stick through the the hard times. But man, if you don't surround them with better players and a system that works, and start making some progress here, I mean, if you have another lost season after this, right? Is he going to well, feel like, hey, I love these guys. This is my family. I stay I'm going to run because I, I thought of this on uh, Wednesday. A bit of completely reckless speculation by you, but it makes some sense. You know what Carl's acting like to me of late? Carl's acting to me like a guy, and again, keep in mind, he's a kid, okay? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about a kid here. We're not talking, as a player, he's not yeah. a kid, but as a person, he's, what, yeah. 24 or something? Yeah. He's mentally still a kid. You know what he's acting like? He's acting like somebody who might have been told by his buddies, we want to play with you, but we're never coming there. Could be, yeah. And I wonder, you know, because the whole... I contend that, and I think it was the New York Post did this story, and yeah, they're the Post, but then the Athletic in the Bay Area picked it up from that G League Summit or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that he wasn't happy. That's not being made up. Yeah. So I, I sense that there's a chance that he's been told by D'Angelo or Devin Booker or somebody, I really want to play with you, but it's never going to be there. And that's the thing. It's like, even though he came back and shot it down, I mean, what's he going to say? Yeah, that is all true. And he said, and he didn't shoot it down by saying, I love it here. He basically said, we will handle this and it won't be a circus. Yeah. Yeah. That, that to me says, I'm going, and, and again, that, that, wrong, yeah. that circles back to Gerson and Ryan. I love you, but that doesn't mean I'm staying here. Well, and that's why I think they're, you know, they have to do something to shake up this roster in a way that wins. Yeah. I mean, you can talk about all these things, the processes, and you're bringing in these different things, and you're shooting more threes. And but if you're not winning, it doesn't matter. No, and and there's no way that they should be this bad. No, no. they've now had had two losing streaks, cumulative of 21 games. Yeah, and they've lost 10 consecutive. Yeah, and I that mean, is extremely hard. Well, and look at some of these teams they're losing to. I mean, they're absolutely well, they're, Sacramento. They're bad teams too, and you're you know so it's. I don't know, and I mean, I I don't, I don't think they would fire Ryan, you know. And it's, I don't it's, think that's the answer, though. Even right now, do you? Like, I could see after a season if it's a complete mess. But but again, but it goes back to what I think their personnel wrote. is worse than the coaching. But and it goes back to what you wrote about, though. How is there might be, God help them, but there might be a chance that they can't keep Cat happy. And and I know people now are like, well, then good, he he should go, that's he it. should go. Yeah. But do you realize what that that means? Giving yep. up on that means you're basically having to forfeit two number one picks. Mm-hmm. And I honestly never thought that we would be having this conversation in this context in in almost February of 2020. Well, I thought they would be bad this year, just because I. No, I'm saying the cat part. Oh, oh, the cat. Yeah. Well, especially because I'm saying what's your roster? Well, the thing is, like, think it, but go back to the beginning of the season, and cat was like, you know leading the charge with the whole culture and this is the greatest thing Amen. ever and we're, we're doing this and this is a new day and new era and all this and uh but you look at it, it's like they just don't have the players to fit this 
You mean you want to shoot a bunch of threes and do it? They don't have any shooters. No, no, the personnel stinks for this. But I'm more concerned about the long term now. Well, yeah, I mean that that's that's where you have to. I mean, this is this season's a bust. I mean, yeah, but so, I'm more concerned about what I'm seeing from from the guy I thought was your the foundation of. That's your That's why I think it's you better do something dramatic this offseason or, or get rid of Wiggins. But is it, it if you can get D'Angelo? Get D'Angelo? Well, that would work. Ab- absolutely. And I mean, is, but is D'Angelo? How good are you going to be with him instead of Wiggins? And well, it's a start. Yeah, no, you're right. It's a start. I mean, you got to get a point guard. They don't have a point guard. But they are. I, I'm just beginning to believe that this might be a way bigger problem with Carl Anthony Towns than I thought. I don't know if it's on a scale. I don't know where it's at, but it's something I've been and everybody's been paying attention to that because we've seen what the NBA is now and that yes, the clock's ticking, man. <laughs> oh, no question. And if you want to, if you want to avoid having the Anthony Davis scenario where he yep. just says, you know what, this I've. I've I'm done. I'm yep. done with this place. Get me out of here. And, yep. it, and it doesn't have to wait until I have one year left of my contract. It can happen middle of a contract. Yep. And we've seen it works. Last point about this, because I'll give you the word that occurs to me when it comes to Cat. Right now, he seems like a like a person who's resigned to his fate here, and that's the scariest thing. Yeah. That's yeah. The, I, mean, I mean, he's going around like he's resigned out. Well, like not this is just it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. and I, and that does, again doesn't mean he doesn't go to church with Ryan. It doesn't mean he doesn't like mm-hmm. Gerson. Yeah. It has nothing to do with like personally. I don't like you. Yeah, you know your Tibbs. I hate you. Yeah, but it yeah. has to do with can I win here? And 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 I think the most important thing, and I, I think as a dad of teenage boys, you'll confirm this. The most important thing is will my buddies come with me? Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, like yep. I mean, if you're. If you went home tonight and said, it's me and mom or your buddies, I think your boys are <laughs> yeah, leaving. Oh, it's every night at the Scoggins house. Yeah. It, it, but yeah. I'm saying, you know, it's like, it's a mom and dad, we love you, but we're out. See you, bye. So, and, who, and we don't know what those buddies are telling, Cap. Right. And that's why it seems like he's growing more and more despondent. And I wonder what they are telling him, which could include, you know, he might have been like, come be with me and Ryan. And then they'd be like, okay, why do we want to play for a 30-something yeah. head coach? We've in got Minnesota. Exactly. You or know. it's cold. Exactly. Yep. Um, from bad news to good news. Yeah. Because I, I don't think that we have uh, touched on this much since it happened a few weeks ago, and obviously it was on display at Twins Fest, which was a glorious old time because Twins yeah. fans are happy. Josh Donaldson <clears throat> at third base means what to you? That lineup is really good. Yep. I mean, it is. Um, that lineup's going to score a lot of runs. Now they might need to. They might need to win 15 to 12. But, you know, being at, at – um, I didn't go to Twins Fest, but I went to, to the Diamond Awards uh, the night before it started and then the, the kickoff uh, uh, luncheon uh, the day the Twins Fest started. Can't you feel an energy? Because of the signing? No question. Oh, it, that with last year. Oh, yeah. And, and but I know, they and bought it, themselves. I, that bought themselves we, so we, much. How many, and how much have we, how many, Twins Fest? How many times have, have we said that, that you, you don't spend money just to make a splash with your fans? But when you have the narrative that the the twins have and the Poleds have, like if you went out and got a big picture or you if you made that one big move, yep. you would buy so much goodwill with your fans. Yes, and I think they did that. And yeah, I still think so. Now, now that you look at that lineup, that would make me even more emboldened to get rid of one of those uh, prospects to try to go get a front line pitcher or Rosario. Yeah. Or Rosario, and, or, and, or both Rosario and, and a and a and a, yeah, and and a, a top prospect, prospect like let's say six through ten, because I think that's God, what I they'll do, probably I do, do one through ten. I don't care. I don't think they'll touch one through five. But 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 this is, I'd say go for it right now. <laughs> I agree. But here's the important thing too. 
the important thing is Twins Fest, in my mind, with a fan base, would have been probably not toxic, but it would have been confrontational without without been, anything. It'd been yeah. It would have been yeah, and it would have been cheap. You know, why didn't you at the town hall things? Right? Yeah. Why didn't you guys do something? Donaldson signing changed that, but the other important factor that I think that we can't um, dismiss at all is, is this. And we talked to uh, Mitch Garver on Saturday about, and I asked this question to him. I said, "What does this do for you guys in that clubhouse?" Yeah, and he's like, "If this doesn't something along the lines of if this doesn't serve notice, nothing will." Uh-huh. And, and that's the other thing I think is so important is the dynamic of this team that's now going to show up in Fort Myers, and with some bravado, and, exactly, and. and you know what? To me, that's way more important than fans. Yeah. Is now, you know, if you were Nelson Cruz previously, you were probably like, are they going to do something? Gonna, yeah, let's go. Are they going to, you know, I mean, Tyler Clifford's yeah. a nice addition in the bullpen, but are you going to do something? And to me, this emboldens that clubhouse to be like, okay, you go, you didn't get a frontline starting pitcher, but whoa. Yeah. And you get an MVP. You said. Yeah. You get an MVP. And so you walk in there, they walk in there thinking we won 101 games last year. We set a record for home runs and we're better. Yes. And so what does that do? They, yeah. they you know, and it gives them an air of confidence. And that's why cockiness. I like I mean, it. I think now, gosh, shoot, I would I would package Rosario in a top prospect and try to get the best frontline pitcher I could get and say if you had a if you had a true number one and you said, All right, whoever that is, Barrios Odorizzi, yep. I'd take that. Oh, in a heartbeat. And in the, the bullpen I think it's gonna be good. Now, I don't know if Rocco says the best in baseball, but I think it's, it's gonna, gonna be, be good. I think it'll be top. Seven, probably. It's going to be good enough to, yeah, make you confident. Yeah, and especially if if Gratterall is, yeah, if he locks into that. And Clippard's I, a sneaky good addition. But if, if Gratterall, which I think he will be, because if you just throw that hard and you command it, I mean, him and Taylor Rogers as an eight nine, that could be pretty deadly. Yes, I mean that could be pretty good. And then, you know, if I like Trevor May, you know, I mean, I think their bullpen's going to be yeah. Good. But so, yeah, but you're right about the top line star. But but I'm so I uh, so if you. Now all of a sudden you're thinking, all right, that if you got if you traded for really an ace, you would think, all right, that team could go to the super, to the Super Bowl to the World Series. Yeah, Super Bowl, yeah, Super Bowl too. That team could go to the World Series. Yeah, well, they, yeah, they feel you feel like that. They the, have to have an right, but they that's have the to final go make step. that splash. I, but but they bought, but in in my mind too, they have with the fans and probably players as well. They bought themselves time now to make. <laughs> That move, yes. The Donald previous to the Donaldson signing, you said, "Are you guys going to do anything?" And now that they've done something, and, and keep in mind too, it's extremely important that yes, he brings a big bat, but he also brings a really good glove at third base, which you well, completely lack. Yeah. Now Snow has to turn himself into a serviceable to decent first baseman, but your the left side of your infield now looks to be way better, yeah. right? Yes. And, and you get bucks and back, so that's going to... And and so here's the dynamic, though, that I'm really curious to see. And Cruz's presence in, in that clubhouse is a huge deal. But you could tell Donaldson is wired every bit as tight as people write and talk mm-hmm. about. I'm really curious to see now. He's going to let people get away with less crap than they got away with last year. I'm not saying it won't be a fun clubhouse. Yeah. But I got a feeling this guy... I, I have... I don't think he's got the off switch. Well, and it was a uh, what's the best way? Is mellow the right way to describe the professional? Maybe not. Well, well, here I think he'll bring it on the field. I think he'll. I think he. I think that clubhouse culture, the way it was last year, wasn't a lot of like. It was loose but professional. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Well, I think Nelson Cruz set the tone. Oh, that now. The difference, yeah. I think, between Donaldson and Cruz is Nelson Cruz just has the it factor. And I never thought he got, I never had the perception that he got in people's faces, but people just followed him. Yes. And he'd be like, okay, now I'm going to nap. Now I'm going to hit. And yeah. guys guys were like, I want to be like that. Yeah. And that's just a God-given leadership ability. Yeah. I do think that Donaldson has the, the, um, competitiveness mm-hmm. that if he sees if I'd be curious to know internally what happens the first time Rosario admires a ball that goes off the fence <laughs> just something like that you think he'll step in and have a I don't think he'll take it well now, now if it's once I think it's okay yeah but if it's a couple times or he doesn't run stuff out yeah I think Donaldson I don't know that he has that switch to be like I'm just not gonna do this so you know and, what? but I'm not saying that that's may, a bad thing it may be pretty good though uh, that's what I'm that that's what I'm saying because Rocco does not do that no Rocco is is adamant about I don't see I don't see the um, the in, good in punishing people because you don't want to embarrass them or whatever. Exactly right. But Donald, and I'm not saying Donaldson's going to be constantly doing this. Yeah, I just think he has the ability to. Where I don't think that guy existed in that clubhouse last year. It's just it's going to be an, an interesting dynamic on what should be a very good baseball team. I, yeah, I think he brings a competitive arrogance and bravado. Well, that uh, <clears throat> one he's going to help him defensively too. He's going to hit like crazy. Um, but I think there are going to be moments where he wins a game with a with a walk off home run, and it's going to jolt like no other, right? Because he has that kind of yes, and Eddie has that a little bit too. Oh yeah, he does. He's just not. Um, he's, he's not. He's not as good as he's also. not, and he's not always there necessarily. Like he, he also has his moments times, where he yeah he, he flakes he has a break out cramp. at times, yeah. and then at times he does. Yeah. And I think Donaldson's just. On twenty four seven on yeah, which is you know that'd be a nice mix for that well that that group too or that that vibe they have going on. So we we had uh, Thad Levine, the Twins GM, on our show the day they signed Donaldson, and I asked about Donaldson's competitiveness, blah blah blah, and the fact he is wired really tight. And Thad's comment basically was very telling in the fact that it's clear he and Falvey, rightfully so, looked at the team chemistry and that clubhouse and thought that a guy like Donaldson was missing. And so he brought up the fact that last year we were a really good story and basically alluded to the fact that he felt that people around baseball really liked the Twins and thought, ain't it great the Twins are back? And he said something, Thad said something along the lines of, we're not going to be as likable now. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, but he's right. Yeah. And that is something that the Twins, that's probably the next, among the next steps, which to your point, Chipper, include pitching. Yeah. That's probably part of that next step is you don't need to be liked. No. You need to be respected and Ideally feared. But the thing is, I think they have some personality on this team. With Rise brings a little bit of that competitive. No question. You know? He's and, a fire guy. And Donaldson will bring it. Um, but, you know, Buxton laid back. Sano laid Cruz back. Is, yeah. Cruz I love. Kepler's laid back. Laid back. Kepler laid back. Exactly right. I think Garver brings a little bit of it. Yeah, he does bring some fire to him. Yeah. And Garver loves Donaldson. Oh, really? Talked yeah. about the fact that he... Uh, he he was playing in the Florida State League in 2015. The year yeah. that Donaldson was MVP with Toronto and said that he and his teammates would race home to watch Sports Center highlights. Donaldson hitting, and he said, "I can't wait to pick his brain. I really? can't wait to talk to him, and can't wait to." Basically, Garver said, "I really like to talk hitting with guys, and there's sometimes that I'll be doing it, and I'll see that they're like, what What are you talking yeah, about?'" Yeah, he's a and, and and Mitch's point was with this guy, I'm not going to have that 
that problem because he'll talk all day about it. Yeah. Well, and I think he'll. I think Mitch's point was is I like to dissect this stuff. Mm-hmm. And oh, he does. Just hit. I, yeah, I did. A, I did a huge story on Garver in the playoffs and went through all his changes and. I mean, he's like a mad scientist. That's what he, I mean. He is an absolute. He, and like, Josh is too. He talks about the biomechanics part of it yes. and all this stuff. So it's fabulous. You know, it's going to be interesting, Judd, to see for Rocco's daily lineups. Oh, especially because you have options. He'll cha- and, and he'll change things up. <laughs> Other than Cruz, right? But I mean, you know, um, ten years ago, and I think you want to pencil in Donaldson probably to one spot too, right? Probably, but you know, ten, fifteen years back, arise leads off, right? Yeah. I would have. We to. don't know that for now, or is is that going to be all year? We have yeah. no idea. I know. You know, Kepler. I mean, they they like pop. I know you want power up top. Yeah, it's a different world. It's going to be so much fun. It is fun. I mean, it's nice to to think about all the different options he can have. But I will say this: get a pitcher, man. I will say this for our jobs right now. This is one of the most interesting time periods mm. because you've got. Mm. The wolves stink, I know, but the cat thing to me intrigues me. The twins are going to be damn good, and you're intrigued Very about interesting. Yeah. what you just said, pitching. And the other storyline is, is Josh going to get tw- uh, number 20 from Eddie because Eddie don't want to <laughs> give up 20, and he's making that clear. And Josh wants 20, and Josh yeah. usually gets what he wants. That was going to cost him. Uh, the Vikings. Offseason is going to be fascinating mm-hmm. to watch. You know, down to stuff like particulars. Will Diggs get traded? I don't think he will, but most, I don't the know. The most fascinating Viking season. And in even the Wild, I don't know what they're going to do. Like, they could make trades at the deadline. They could not. But there are at least but They're so far off the map score. right now. Three Your team, great. man. Only to you, because you're from Tennessee and don't Jeez. like hockey enough. You're, they're so far off the map. They're interesting to me. But the Wolves, the Wolves now are becoming a way better storyline. It's becoming dysfunctions. Like, right, but that's a better yeah. storyline. Yeah, it's becoming. For our purposes. It's one thing to be bad. It's one to be bad and dysfunctional. That's what you want. If they were, if this was the Rambus team, then they just stink, blow them up. Yeah. But they got good, some good players, and they're dysfunctional. But this might be the most, for the four major men's sports mm-hmm. teams that we follow in this town, professional teams, this is a really interesting, interesting. time period. Yeah. That's, that's the right word. And then you throw in goal for football, which has become relevant and good. Mm-hmm. Go for basketball a little bit. This is a really intriguing time. Worst thing you want is have bland, boring. Oh. We don't have bland or boring right now. No, no. And, and the fact that the Twins are should be damn good. Yeah. Go for football is good. And the Vikings aren't. I'm just curious what they're going to do. Yeah, they're they're. I mean, they're, but they're not they're bad. Always, no, I'm just curious no. about them. Yeah, they're always interesting. All right, we are done, All right, brother. Ho- hopefully, we both feel better next week. Conduits of trouble wrapping it up. Thanks for as always listening. I'm Judd. He's Chip. Talk to you. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 1. She was a city girl, but always somewhere else in her head. Somewhere where bison roam, rivers flow, and people get their hiking boots dirty. Like, actually dirty. So one day she fled west and discovered this place of beauty, history, and a delicious taste of adventure. But before she knew it, she was driving away with memories to share and the hopes of returning. Because there's so much South Dakota. So little time.